Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Great to have you back with us. You're good. You're smart. You're wise to be here. Appreciate it. Whether this is your first time tuning in, maybe you've been listening for weeks or months. We're actually just over a year now that we've been doing this show. So however long you've been with us on this fun journey, thanks for hanging out with us. Really do appreciate it. We've got a uh, great guest for you today. We've got my buddy Brian Harris who's joining us. Brian's going to talk all about how he's built this successful online business in a in a semi-relatively short amount of time relative to uh, other people that I know that have taken years and years. And Brian is a uh, is a guy we're in a mastermind together. He's a good friend of mine, a, a local Nashville resident as well. And this guy, he hustles and works harder than anybody else that I know. So you're going to learn a lot from this, being encouraged and inspired by what he's going to share today. Uh, so if you're someone who's tinkering with the idea of like, hey, I want to start a business. I want to do something online. I want to build an audience. I, I want to sell something. I want to make money online. I don't even know where to begin. This is the episode for you. This is the episode you're not going to want to miss. And also... I'm going to encourage you to stick around to the bonus episode. Not only does Brian share some great wisdom and ideas on some next steps that you should take, if you're wanting to build an email list, what are some of those things that you should be doing? But he goes on this rant that is that is just gold. All right, so you're, you're going to want to hear the rant, which was amazing. Like, even after we wrapped it up, he was like, dude, I kind of got fired up there. I was like, heck yeah, you did. Uh, what happened? That was great. You're going to want to hear that. You're going to download that for free at the uh, the bonus round. You can catch that by going to grantbaldon.com slash Brian Harris or going to uh, grantbaldon.com slash podcast. Or to make it even simpler, you can just click on the link within the show notes of the podcast app that you're listening to this on right now. So let's get right into this. Here's my uh, conversation with my uh, online entrepreneur friend, Brian Harris. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my good buddy, my friend, my pal, my dude, Dr. Brian Harris. What's up, doctor? How you doing today? <laughs> doctor. I'm not a doctor. All right. Hey, no, Grant. No, <laughs> no doctor at all. But Brian is a uh, very good friend of mine. We're in a mastermind together. We chat on a, almost every day. And even uh, and we notice that even when we like one of us is out of town or one of us is gone or something, we find each other harassing one another and just well, it's just this bromance that's going on, apparently. So it's, yeah, you need uh, to quit sending me pictures, and then uh, that's getting kind of <laughs> awkward. <laughs> My wife started asking questions. It's getting uncomfortable for everybody. All right, Brian, how do you describe what it is that you do? Because uh, you've, you've got your hand in a few different things, and we'll we'll get into your story and journey. But today, as your business stands, you're kind of an online entrepreneur. But what is it that you do? Sure. So I create software and teach classes that helps people grow their businesses online. That is a beautiful elevator pitch there. What, Man, what, I, I worked on that for a long time. Good. I think you've this been, might be the first time I've actually you, ever said it out loud. You've so been gearing up for that moment. It <laughs> yeah. sounds so eloquent. I just needed to let it hang there for a minute. Yeah, If only business looked that clean on the inside. So what, what kind of software stuff are you building and, and creating and helping people to build and run their businesses? So I've created several apps like anybody you know, along the journey to try to figure out what my thing is. I've done a lot of different things. But the latest app I've created is called List Goal. And it helps people grow their email list 
by helping them pick a goal of how big they want their list to be and then giving them actionable steps every day to grow their list. So it lives in the new tab screen of your, of your browser. So every time you open a, a tab in Chrome, it shows you your goal. It live feeds back into your email service provider. So it shows you exactly how many subscribers you have today. And then at the top, it kind of gives you a little action step how to, to reach the next step on your list. That's been the app I've been working on. And of course, I told you I'll teach classes as well. So I just launched a course called Get 10,000 Subscribers that teaches you how step-by-step-by-step step step takes you by the hand from zero subscribers all the way to 10,000 subscribers in a 10-month period. And then shows you how to use that list to, to find a product, validate the product, build the product, and launch the product to that list. So today, it seems like, I mean, and I, I've seen your business close up for you know a, a while now. It seems like much of what you do is built around online list building and the importance of list building for you know individual brands and individual you know companies or organizations. Yeah, it really is. I was just writing out a blog post today and kind of describing that journey. And it didn't start, I mean, the name of my site's Video Fruit, which right. what, is, what is that? So, <laughs> I mean, the site started as me teaching people how to make explainer videos. And then I created a course on how to do that. And then I needed a traffic source to the course. So I'd heard about blogging. So I just started writing. And I figured if I could get, you know, a few thousand people to the blog every month and maybe a couple of them would buy my course. And then kind of through the process of doing that, I hit a roadblock with selling the course. And just like everything I'd created, the apps I'd created in the past, like you create this thing, you have a brilliant idea, and then you go into your mom's basement for six months and make the thing. And then you come out and you present it to the world and you find out nobody actually cares about it or will buy it from you. And I'd just been through that cycle so many times that I wanted to figure out how not to do that anymore. I wanted to figure out like, what did Noah Kagan and Neil Patel and Steve Jobs, like what do all these successful entrepreneurs do that I'm not doing? Because whatever I'm doing obviously isn't working. So I just started studying everybody and kind of reverse engineering what they were doing. And there started to become a common theme that I found over a year of writing and publishing a blog post every week and trying different things people were saying. And the common theme became I built an email list and then I launched a product to that list. So as I saw literally every online entrepreneur I could find talk about that, I just started doing that myself. And then so I guess in January of last year, so this is January 2014, I had a list of right at 200 people uh, that it just was cobbled together of friends and family and just random people. Right. And by October of that year, I had reached 10,000 subscribers. And then I, I talked to the audience, asked them what they wanted, and then built the product that they told me they wanted and launched it and did $25,000 in sales in five days. And that just completely, I mean, those numbers are hard to compute, honestly. Like right. I sent, I literally sent an email on a Tuesday and by the end of day Tuesday, it made $10,000. Like when that happens, that, like that's literally no hyperbole at all. That's life changing. Like, whoa, hold on, what just happened here? Like that's nuts. So I'd heard this thing about this email list stuff as a mechanism to be able to sell whatever you have. That could be a book, an app, a course, uh, whatever it is, stand-up paddleboarding lessons, whatever you have. If you have a group of people on a list that will buy from you, that respect you, and all you have to do is send them an email with a thing that they're interested in, and they'll buy it from you. Like, it's not mysterious. You don't have to rank in Google. You don't have to get in the iTunes store, and hopefully you get featured. You don't have to rely on any of that luck. You just rely on your list. And if that luck comes along, great. Like that just boosts what you're doing, but you don't have to rely on that. So that's why I focused on once I had that launch and realized while wow, list building is the thing, like that is the key. I just started focusing on that. 
for the past six or seven months and uh, built an app to help people do it, built a course to help people do it and plan on focusing on that for, you know, for the next year or two and maybe perhaps getting into another topic eventually. You even alluded to it earlier that, you know, today that's what you're doing and that's kind of the focus for the next foreseeable future. But even as recently as, you know, a year ago, it was more about videos and more online video type stuff. So how that's pivoted. So I think that's just an important thing to notice that a lot of times, uh, a lot of times whenever it comes to a career or a business or some type of endeavor, we think I, I have to pick an idea and that has to be the idea for as long as I can see into the future. And so even you kind of alluded to it there with the list building stuff of going like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this for a while. But if my guess is knowing you'd be like, if it doesn't work in a year from now, you're not going to be devastated. You'll find something else and you'll go on a different path and journey rather than feeling like this is it. This is my life's where I have to do this forever and ever. Amen. But feeling like I'm going to do this for a while, as long as it's still interesting and enjoyable. And then if I need to find something different, then so be it. Yeah. And the key to that is for me not to do dog training or yoga lessons. Like you have to stay in the same industry that you're in or you're starting from scratch again. And I did that recently. I had a launch recently for the course and did a 48 hour challenge where I tried to build an email list from scratch and launch a product in two days. And it's hard. Like the beginning is hard, like no doubt. Like it takes a lot of grunt work to get that list going. So as long as I stay in the world of online marketing, I could talk about how to get traffic. I can talk about how to build courses and create content, how to build a list. Any stage of that process I can pivot to and talk about because that's what my audience is interested in. I just can't branch out to some completely unrelated field. And if I do, I just have to start over again. And for me, I right now at least, I don't have any desire to start over again. Right. So I can use this platform now of people that are interested in marketing that right now I've been talking about list building and pivot to anything inside of that world and still be fine. All right. So let's backtrack a little bit. So you're a good old Southern boy. Where'd you grow up? Mobile, Alabama. There you go. So did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family, uh, an online business family? T tell us what, what life was like. Oh, we, I mean, we didn't have the internet till 1998 or something. So, I mean, Alabama, Alabama, they ran the wires and just a year or two ago. No, my parents actually were, my mom was in Tupperware growing up. So that's a, nice. I guess that's technically multi-level. I don't know. And then they got into Amway for about five or 10 years, which absolutely couldn't hate the business model any more than I do. But it's funny, as a result of that, my parents always talked about business stuff, having your own business, products dreaming, just thinking outside of the box stuff that I imagine most people don't grow up with. And most people grow up with their parents working nine to five jobs and, and not really even have considering other possibilities. So they opened up our minds to the possibility of doing things differently. And now my brother owns a successful construction company in Houston and we've both done multiple businesses over the years. So that, that played a big role in it as much as I just can't stand Amway. Now looking at it as a business model, it was a huge part of me and my brother both running successful businesses today. Yeah, that's yep. interesting that, that a lot of times there's things that happen in our childhood or growing up or just in our past that are negative experiences, but you kind of look at it and you're like, that helped shape and define what I'm doing today or the what influenced me in some way to what it is that I'm doing or kind of that next iteration or step that I took there. So, so for you, what kind of path were you on? What was it that you wanted to do when you proverbially grew up? I mean, when I was seven, me and my brother had a baseball card shop yes. and we sold baseball cards out of the window of our bedroom on Deer Run Drive in Saraland, Alabama. And we got scammed by a guy named Ricky Lowe and he bought like, it was like a Bo Jackson rookie card, a Michael Jordan rookie card, like, like for 25 bucks or something, which, wow. you know, it was just, you're, you're still bitter about it. You still remember his name. Oh, I remember it specifically. It was in a green basket. Like I remember vividly the day, <laughs> but anyway, so we've always had 
stuff like that going on. And I don't know if I ever knew, like if you told me three years ago, I'd be, you know, selling courses and creating software around building email list. I would ask you what an email list even was. So I don't know if I could ever pinpoint what it was, but like I always enjoyed building software. Like I took programming lessons in high school. I'm not good. I don't do any programming myself today, but I've always enjoyed the creation process. Like it's really cool to come up with an idea, to draw it down on a piece of paper, and then for a month later for that to become a thing that people use and we even pay you money for. And that could be writing a book or making an app or creating a course or building a physical product. Like I did that a few months ago where I, I had, a, had to have a green screen for my office. So I built one and then sold a couple of them because you couldn't buy that type anywhere. And that, that's just something I've always been a little addicted to is having an idea and then turn that into a thing that people will pay you for. And I've just progressively, as I've failed so many times, I've gotten better at you know not doing the dumb stuff over time. So hopefully now I'm a little faster on getting to a good product that people actually want faster than before. So I guess that's a, maybe a, a long-winded answer to your question. But I think that's a great point there, though, that we live in this day and age where you can connect with similar like-minded people, you can figure out what they want, and then you can like make the thing that doesn't exist and create this thing that solves their problem, that scratches their itch. And there's that famous Steve Jobs quote. I don't know the quote exactly, but basically the idea was that like everything you see around you was created by people like no smarter than you. Like yeah. no, like the house that you and I are in right now, different parts of the same city and the roads that connect us and the restaurant we're hanging out at tomorrow and the device that we're talking, like this was all made by human beings and people that were just like us. So that's the same idea of, of what you and I do and, and you know, over the past several months of talking about different ideas and then a few months later, like our ideas are coming to life and this is how we make our living from doing these things. It's just a great, like unique time and I guess in life that we live in. It's just the easiest time ever to do that. There's almost no barrier right now to doing to to creating a thing. Like my grandfather invented the master cylinder brake thing. Like whatever, I don't even know the technique. He'd probably be ashamed of me not knowing what it was. <laughs> invented it in the '60s. Went to get it patented. The lawyer stole it, and it was put into every GM car for like 30 years. Wow. Literally, like, but there was no Google to know, like, all right, how do I get this patented without my lawyer stealing it from me? Because, like, I would not be sitting here in Nashville today had that happened because we'd be, you know, multi, 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 multi millionaires. But <laughs> yeah. that one little thing changed the course of everything because he didn't have access to information. Like, you're just one Google search from anything you want to know right this second. And that's, you know, obvious to everybody. But how many people actually execute on that? Not many. Right. There's a uh, an interview we did recently with a author, A.J. Jacobs, and uh, he spent a year reading the entire Encyclopedia Britannica uh, oh when it was a thing. And this is you know several years ago. And so he wrote a book about it. And so he and I were talking about it. And I was like, what is one theme that stood out to you? And he said, one of the biggest lessons I learned is that the good old days were really, really bad. They were not good at all. He's like, if you go back to like the 1800s, early 1900s, like it was famine, it was disease, it was yeah. poverty. It was just a horrible, horrible time. And yet today we live in this age where like you can create something and within a few 48 hour challenge that you recently did was a great example of that. Of I'm going to come up with an idea and within, a, within 48 hours, I'm going to have a handful of people that are going to pay me for this thing that I, I haven't even created yet. And it's not like in a, a scammy, sleazy way, but just validating that there's this need there and there's this itch there uh, for, for this thing that I can create. And then I'm going to create it and people will pay me for it. And that's like, that's the age that we live in. It's just kind of a, this surreal time, I guess that we're in. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So I know early on you got into, in terms of career stuff, you got into construction, correct? And sales work? 
Yeah, I, I did lawn care and through college and then through a series of events. Yeah, I wound up doing outside sales in the construction industry for about 10 years. Well, about 15 years, I guess. What kind of sales? Like residential or commercial or? All of the above. So I did residential. I worked at a lumber supply company and then worked at a commercial building supply company. And then the last place I left was industrial. Well, they did conveyor engineering. So I did sales for them where we would sell big multi-million dollar conveyor systems to people like FedEx and Amazon, UPS, those type of companies. Were you enjoying that or is that just kind of like a means to an end and it's, it's, it's a paycheck? Or Yeah. I mean, there's something very entrepreneurial about working in outside sales. Even though you're working for somebody else, it's commission-based, so it's tied to what you're doing. And you have to be creative to do it well. But at the end of the day, it's still working for somebody else. I still don't own a product. If I quit working, I quit making money. And I knew eventually I would do my own thing again. I had a, a pretty negative experience in 2009 and 10 where I had a little online business where I bought and sold stuff on eBay. I would buy at yard sales and thrift stores and auctions and eventually started doing a bunch of restaurant equipment that I would uh, buy restaurants that were closing down and piece them out and sell them. Anyway, through a series of events, I wound up actually getting kicked off of PayPal and having you know, over $20,000 frozen by them. And as a result, since PayPal is owned by eBay, I got kicked off eBay as well. So overnight, I went from having a, a very fast-growing company that was doing well to completely shut down, <laughs> which is a great lesson and probably what has pushed me towards having an email list because you can, an email list is the only thing you actually own, right? So you don't own your Twitter account. Twitter right. can kick you off tomorrow. You don't own your Facebook account. Facebook, you're renting that land. The only thing you actually own is your traffic, your blog, and specifically your email list because that's the only way you can directly outreach to people and you own it. So I think that pushed me towards that. But anyway, after the whole eBay stuff, I, I just needed a few years off where I just decompressed and didn't have the mental fatigue of doing my own thing. So that's when I went to work for the, the conveyor engineering company. And then after a few years of that, I was just kind of ready to go again. And I had a few opportunities. I started working on the side and found the explainer video thing. And that eventually led to, to what I'm doing today. What can you tell us about what happened with the eBay uh, PayPal thing? I mean, you won't like the details. It's kind of boring. Uh-huh. So I was, I was selling. If you're kicked like, off, I assume it's a good story. Yeah. Well, I, was, I mean, it's an interesting lesson and in just making sure, I was going to say making sure you're playing by other people's rules, but I didn't technically break any rules. So anyway, this is the story. So I, was, I would buy and sell stuff at yard sales. That's how I started. So I would sell, you know, golf bags and dish sets like a china and stuff. But the average dollar of what I was selling was, I was like under a hundred bucks, the average item I was selling. And then I started, I read a book about buying and selling restaurant equipment. And went to a couple auctions up in Indianapolis and wound up buying a couple of truckloads of stuff. And when I did, my average dollar went from like under $100 to like $800 per sale. And that trips a flag with PayPal when they see your transaction volume increasing that much. And same thing with, pay- with eBay. And then one day I was in Birmingham visiting some friends and we went to a yard sale and I bought a $5 model train. I think I bought it for five and sold it for $15 or something. Yeah. And the person I sold it to left a negative feedback. And said it was the wrong scale or something. And it was actually the exact thing I described it as. Like there was a picture that fortunately I didn't even know to take a picture of it. It just was complete luck. But it had a picture of the scale on the side of the screen. All the scale is like the size of the train compared to real life. Right. Anyway, so they left me a negative feedback. And then that one negative feedback coupled with the increased risk factor with the dollar per item rate going up flagged something with PayPal. And once you get shut out of PayPal, like, Good luck, unless you know somebody inside of PayPal. Like you, you just, just uh, Google PayPal sucks, and you'll see <laughs> hundreds of stories. And a lot of them are charity things, like around Katrina and all. When people would set up charity accounts and they get an influx of money, PayPal would freeze it and not give you access for six months to it. So, like, I don't do business on PayPal now 
if I have to do a transaction, the money comes out immediately. I never let money sit there. And I like anytime I see companies doing all their transactions through PayPal, like I cringe because they will get screwed eventually. <laughs> like they're you're going to get it eventually. Because PayPal's it's not a payment, it's not like a merchant account where they're just the third party that passes it along. They actually store the money. Right. And if they store it, that means they can freeze it and there's nothing you can do once they do. Yeah. So that was just a good lesson for me on don't build your business on rented ground. Like use the rented ground, you know, to bring business to you, but don't build your entire course on Udemy. Like if your entire business model relies on Udemy selling your thing, that's great, but man, you better have a backup plan because Udemy could go out of business. They could kick you off. You could accidentally violate terms of business. Like if your entire business model relies on Facebook ads, like that's great. Maximize it, but have a backup plan because you can get kicked off pay- Facebook for doing things that are right or wrong or who knows what, but it can happen. And that was a big lesson to me on that. Like I think in the back of my mind, I knew it could happen, but I never thought it would actually happen. And it, I just got the unfortunate luck of the draw on that. And that's pushed me towards owning what I do and using those other platforms just to push people to the thing I own. Well, I think that's also true of of just being aware of what the you know the, the possible downsides are to your business, whatever that business is, whether it's online or offline. Of if this you know if like I'm thinking of myself as a speaker, much of my living for the past several years has been as a speaker. And I always kind of wondered in the back of my mind, like, what if I got hit by a bus, or what if I was in a <laughs> bad car wreck? What if my voice was hoarse for a month and I just couldn't speak? You know, like what that's our income. So like what what happens at that point? So whatever that thing is that 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 product or service that you offer, just being aware of what are some of the the potential negative things and how can I minimize those and and kind of uh, I guess yeah, just minimize the the risk to what that downside may be. Yeah, and like I'm extremely paranoid now. Like I keep even today <laughs> like I keep a list of like what happens if everything disappears tomorrow. Like if somehow maybe I didn't back up my list and Infusionsoft shut my account down and I had no copy and they couldn't get it, like I'd be pretty screwed. So I keep a list, honestly, of things I'll do if I don't. Like even today, like I, I actively update it with, all right, what would I do now? I just had a really good launch the other day. So now I could probably go do launches for other people and take a percentage of their launch and probably get a hefty upfront fee for that. Like that's on my list of things to do if everything falls apart tomorrow. What's that, You've got a name for it. What's it? I think it was worst case scenarios or something. It's an Evernote file I keep. Yeah, uh, but you you told me one time it was like a uh, oh, like a bomb shelter file or some yeah. type of like nuclear bomb. File. I don't I don't remember what it was, but just like this. Yeah, like I think it's important to have like some of that. I mean, we're kind of joking about it, but at the same time, like realistic. Like, what if it didn't work out? What if that thing? Like, what is the the backup plan? And how are you going to again just minimize that risk so that like it doesn't fall apart and you're not jeopardizing and you're not betting the farm on this one thing, hoping that it works. Yeah. And like, I think that's good. Like it, that can be unhealthy. Like if you're always just paranoid to detriment, but like in the book, what is it? The, the latest Jim Collins book, great by choice. He yeah. talks about that where Bill Gates, like in the height of what he was doing, Steve jobs in the height of what he was doing always was paranoid and it made him have good cash reserves It made him have backup plans. He, he was talking to, actually, I remember what it was now. He was talking about capitalizing on good luck and minimizing the effects of bad luck on your business. And he kind of defined specifically how, what luck was and all. And it was extremely intriguing because they all had backup plans. Like they all had the backup plan of the backup plan of the backup plan. Even when things were going extremely well, like they had a plan for if it all tanked tomorrow and I wish I'd got my advice from them, but like it just came from extreme paranoid from the eBay thing. But it gives me comfort at night because I know if it disappeared, like I even keep a list of the people I'd pitch these different, and most of the stuff I keep are services I would pitch because that's usually the quickest way to generate income. So if I had to start over tomorrow, like 
I got a list of 15 services and 30 or 40 people I could pitch them to. And I would start that like the first hour <laughs> that I needed income. Uh, and that just lets me kind of relax that muscle and just go build my business and trust that if something does go wrong and I do screw things up royally, that I do have a backup plan. Right. So you, you have the eBay experience, then you go back, you're selling the conveyor systems. Are you enjoying selling the conveyor systems or is it just kind of like, all right, this is, you know, this is paying the bills and I'll lick my wounds until I decide to do something else online? Or what are you kind of thinking then? It was fun. I really liked the people I worked with. Like it was a cool, the, the employees were great. I just did not get along with the owners at all. We just had fundamental differences in how we looked at things. So, and then it got really slow. And it actually hit a point, I think it was April of 2012. That was, I think I was two years into working at that company. And it was slow at the time, really slow at the time. And I had a Tim Ferriss article come to my inbox and it was by Chad Moretta called, and I think it was how to build the next Instagram or something. Like you can Google that or you can put it in your show notes or whatever and people can go find it. And I read that article and it was just a light bulb moment for me. Like I called my buddy in there. He was a project manager at that company. I was like, hey, we need to build an app. So we build a couple apps and they don't do worth the crap. But like we went through the process of drawing it all on a whiteboard and having this real thing you could play with. So we did a couple apps together. And then another friend of mine who was a programmer, we teamed up with and we did a few apps. And they actually did decent and they still are around and generate income today. Not as we haven't really touched them in, you know, probably over a year now, but, but they do well. But then Gary Vaynerchuk was getting ready to write his book called, I think it wound up being Jab, 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 Right Hook. Mm -hmm. And he started talking before, like in the very early stages of planning that, he started tweeting out and talking about the idea of give, 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 ask. When you're trying to sell something to somebody, focus on giving first and giving and giving and giving and giving. And once you've built up that goodwill and that relationship capital, then you can spend that by asking for something. And that just, I don't know if it was a timing thing or the way it hit me or whatever, but that just kind of changed the way I looked at business and sales in general. And I'd been in outside sales for almost 15 years by that point. And I just never heard it put that way before. So I had made these four apps by this point, two iPhone apps and two web apps. And at the time I decided I wanted to start selling apps to people. Like I would be a like a basically a development house where I would, I would use outsource labor, but I would put the app together and outsource it and deliver a, a final app to somebody. So I built one from uh, John Acuff called mm -hmm. the five club app. And I just gave it to him. I was like, Hey, I, I want to build this app for you. He was getting ready to publish his new book. I think that one was quitter. Let's see. Start or quitter. Start, start. It was the second one. Start. So he was getting ready to do that. And we were going to publish that app in conjunction with the book launch. So we did. And uh, a couple of days before we were getting ready to publish everything, I said, John, I said, before we do a blog post and an email to your list about this, I want to put together a video for you, kind of describing what the five club is. He was like, okay. So like try to put together something myself. And I'd done basic video editing like back in college, but nothing of any professional level at all. And I wanted to make sure whatever he put out on his blog was good. So I spent the weekend and just couldn't like get it to work. And finally it hit me. I was like, why don't I build videos the same way I build apps? And the way I build apps was go find like a, a template structure out there, like somebody that had put together the basic design of it and then just arrange it the way you want it and then go find somebody to put to actually code it for you. So I did that with a video. I found, went to a place called videohive.com. Theme Forest is their sister site. Um, mm -hmm. And it had explainer video templates on there. Like you could buy the template put your own text and graphics and stuff in it and have this unique, really cool looking explainer video. So I did that for John and in like 24 hours, I had this awesome explainer video and he publishes it to his blog. And just when I went through that process of trying to do it manually, and then I went through the process of just purchasing a template, customizing it, and then hiring a guy to put it together for $35. It just hit me. I was like, man, like 
explainer videos cost a lot of money and a lot of businesses can't afford them. What if I just taught them how to do it this way and it cost them hundred bucks to make? Uh, so I went out and started just talking to businesses I knew and selling them explainer videos and that did really well. So then I made a course on it, uh, telling people, the people that couldn't afford me to make them for them because my prices went up as I got busier. I just made a course that you could pay a couple hundred bucks for and you got a bunch of templates and you got the whole workflow of how to put it all together, all the nuts and bolts of it. And both of those did well. So that led me into creating Video Fruit and the blog, uh, which we kind of covered the second part of that earlier, of eventually morphing into how do you sell this thing once you have it. And for me, that was through building an email list up. But I think one of the cool things about the story, though, is that you're you're just paying attention and noticing when you've got there's this opportunity here of you're you're putting something together for for John and realizing like okay it took me a bunch of steps and a bunch of hoops to jump through to put this together and there's there's got to be a better way you know that type of <laughs> that type of moment and realizing that yeah there might be something here you know our our mutual friend Joseph Michael that we're in the the mastermind with you know he has a great story about when he created his his Learn Scrivener Fast course and we'll link up to his episode in the show notes but but he's just paying attention to all these people are frustrated about this one software. They're frustrated about this one thing that I think if I put some energy and effort into it, I could create the solution for it. Sounds yeah. like that's basically what you do with the, with video fruit and creating, I can help these people not only teach people how to do it themselves, but I can also provide the service to do it for them. Yeah. And the key is validating stuff before you go spend six months on it. So before I created a course, I posted a message in a few Facebook groups and said, Hey, is anybody interested in this? Here's a sample of the video. I'm going to put together a course showing you how to make this video for less than a hundred dollars. And you can do it as many times as you want. Will you be interested in that? If so, PayPal me the money. And I got like 15 or 20 sales from doing that. And when you get people to pay you money for something that doesn't exist, like those are people that are excited and that gives you the validation you need to go spend three months making it. And then you can make it versus, oh, I have this idea. Let me go spend three months making it. And then let me see if I can find somebody to buy it. Instead, have the idea, find somebody to buy it and then make it. <laughs> and you know you can give them discounts. You don't have to take their money up front, whatever you're comfortable with, but have the validation of not somebody telling you they would buy it, but somebody actually giving you money for the thing and then use that to go expound. And that's, that's all I've done is do that every time. Like even this product, this course I just launched, before I launched it, before I spent a second creating it, I went and validated it to my list. So I took a, li- a group of 50 people, wrote up a little very short two-page uh, description of what the course would be and asked them if they would buy it. And Ten of them did. So then I went and made the course <laughs> and then I launched it to my list, but I knew people would buy it because I'd validated it beforehand. I can validate as well that that works. I mean, just knowing that, you know, the, the journey that you and I have gone on together of, of our own course of, you know, booked and paid to speak. A lot of people ask me how to get paid to speak. I was like, well, we'll just make a course on it. I was like, Brian, the bunch of people asked me, like, no, 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 don't <laughs> just go make it. You got to get people to actually pay for it and show that it's validated and show that there's actual real interest there beyond just some people smiling and nodding saying, oh yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in that. But do they actually want <laughs> it. So actually putting something together there. So I got a couple of the questions for you about the, uh, the just online business. One of the things I'm wondering about is about building a list. If I'm just getting started, how, mm-hmm. what are some of those steps that I need to take to build that list uh, to go from zero to a hundred to get my first hundred subscribers? So, I mean, you, you have a course on, on getting 10,000 subscribers, but that's mm-hmm. great, but I'm trying to figure out how do I get my first hundred <laughs> or 500. So what are some right. of those early things? So we're going to talk about that in the bonus round. And uh, so we'll just, uh, we'll float that out there in the meantime, but and um, make sure you come in for that, I'm going to give you some really actionable stuff. So like, if you want that, do whatever Grant's going to tell you to get that. Cause like, if you'll just do what I tell you by <laughs> the end of next week, you will have a hundred subscribers. If right now you don't have an idea, you have nothing, no list, you don't even know what a list is. If you just do the three things I'm going to tell you, you will have a hundred subscribers by the end of the week. 
What a tease. What a tease. It reminds me, uh, we just <laughs> went to Disney World with my family uh, a couple months ago. And I'm a very, like, I'm very much a planner. And so when you go to Disney World, it's not like some random amusement park where you're like, hey, I'm just going to kind of pick and choose some right. You <laughs> have to have a plan going into Disney World. So uh, I go with my wife and my daughters and my mom came with us as well. And so I told all of them, I was like, listen, if you do what I tell you to do, we will have a good time today. <laughs> just follow my plan. And it was exactly that. Like, just, I know this works. Just do what I tell you to do. And it's the same thing that's true with something like email or just learning from other people that have been where you are of going, pay attention to what they're saying, pay attention to what they're doing and what they're teaching. If they've done it, it works. So you don't need to go recreate the wheel, uh, just paying attention to, to what they're teaching you. So in the meantime, though, where can people learn out more and more about you if they want to find out uh, more about your story, your journey and the work that you're up to today? Yeah, so go to videofruit.com slash 48. And I just did a 48-hour list building challenge where I did everything we're talking about, built a list, like picked a really obscure topic. The topic is hammocking in Nashville. So you can't get much more off the grid than that. In a 48-hour period, I built a list of 205 people around it and then launched a product and did over $200 in revenue of a product that I created or didn't even have yet as a validation. So so all that's chronicled, all the details, all the scripts, everything to tell you exactly how to do it's over at videofruit.com slash 48. Just go over there, check it out. And uh jump on the list if you want to uh, learn more about that kind of thing. Awesome. We'll be sure and link up to that in the uh, the show notes as well. So, But in the meantime, we're going to head over to the bonus round, my friend. We're going to talk about uh, email list building, why it matters, how to do it, and most importantly, like how do you take some of this list building and actually turn it into to, to dollars? If you get a, thousands and thousands of emails on a list, but you can't pay your mortgage, you can't pay your utilities with emails subscribers. So what do you actually do <laughs> with those? So we're going to be talking about that as well. So we'll, uh, we'll chit-chat on that over in the bonus round. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, brother. We'll see you over there. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chit-chat with uh, my buddy Brian Harris of videofruit.com. Hey, if you're interested in, in starting an online business, building an online business, growing an online business, you got to listen to and you got to follow Brian. He really, really knows his stuff, really knows what he's talking about. Make sure you stop by that site that he or that link that he referenced there, videofruit.com slash 48. Really good post there that he wrote about his journey of going from nothing to uh, building a quick, small audience and then uh, actually making a couple hundred bucks from it. So really, really good stuff. Very, very practical, applicable stuff that he teaches. Again, you can find that at videofruit.com slash 48. All right. I think that wraps up this episode, boys and girls. Thanks for hanging out with us. Really do appreciate it. We'll be coming at you again in a few days with another delicious, delightful knowledge biscuit from the How Did You Get Into That show. Catch you next time. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.